You may have heard of um, deism. In the 17th and 18th century, there was a, a philosophy, a popular philosophy, especially among intellectuals, called deism, as opposed to theism, um, that basically said there is such a thing as God. God exists and created everything that exists. But he is not interested in human affairs. There's nothing close about God. God is so big, so massive, so intelligent, that he could not possibly be, it doesn't make any rational sense that he would be bothered with our little quarrels and, and uh, conflicts and things like that. God is a big picture God, and we sometimes think of him as the clockmaker. That's the deist philosophy. It's like he winds up the clock of the universe, says 9.81 meters per second per second, and, you know, this much is pi and all that, that, that stuff. And then he just sort of, like, lets it go. And then we are one of the properties through evolution of the universe's laws and... Uh, but our lives don't have any sort of meaning vis-a-vis God, and, or he doesn't like um, care so much what we do or what happens to us. There are certain moral laws, certainly, and if we disobey them, there will be consequences. But it's not this personal relationship with God. It's like sort of um, not part of the deist philosophy. So it left room for a lot of secular um, kind of division of church and state, and, and like our founding fathers, a lot of them were deists. Um, because God is still, in God we trust, like God exists, he gives the universe um, logic and, and order, but it doesn't really matter what you believe, you, the, whether you believe in miracles or not, or whether Jesus is the son of God, or whether Muhammad is his prophet, that stuff is just a matter of subjective opinion, and we can't really know it. Um, so, that's fine, um, we are not deists, uh, it's... It, we couldn't be more contrary to the deist philosophy and what we believe God has done in Christ, what he's revealed to us, and how he has said he wants to continue living with us and among us. Uh, Jesus says this at the Last Supper. um, In order to prepare the apostles for the ascension, um, he says, whoever loves me will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. I have told you this while I am with you. The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I told you. This Advocate, capital A, is the Holy Spirit. Um, Next weekend, we'll celebrate the the Ascension, which is when Jesus, after the 40 days of the resurrection, ascends to the right hand of the Father in the view of the apostles. They see him ascend into heaven and disappear, as it were. And then 10 days later on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes down like tongues of fire on the apostles, and they speak in languages that they've never learned. And the Holy Spirit inhabits the church. And now the presence of Jesus, all that power and that healing and that work, the forgiveness of sins and the confection of the Eucharist, all that now, that was in Jesus is now in the apostles, in the church, and those whom they baptize. So, in other words, the ascension, when Jesus goes, he's saying this so that when he does go, that they will believe. that It's not like now Jesus is the deus clockmaker God up in the sky, looking down on us, and we are again alone, just like we were prior to Jesus, uh, but rather he's going to the Father so that he can send his Spirit so he can be even more intimately present to us, um, that we are not on our own. He also says at the Last Supper, I will not leave you orphans. I will send you another advocate. You will not be by yourself ever again. So any spirit, any voice that says, I am alone, and sometimes different stimuli or different situations or circumstances can make us feel like all of a sudden I'm alone and it's all up to me and we fall back into this yoke of self-reliance. Um, Jesus is, is 
knocking on those doors and saying, no, I want to dwell with you here. I want to be with you here. Just a few weeks ago, I got a troubling phone call from a friend, and she and her family had been kind of, um, I don't know what, but uh, taken advantage of by this, she called him a spiritual man, like a, kind of like a soothsayer, clairvoyant, psychic type of person who one of the family had gone to uh, because they, were, they felt like there were some vibrations in the house or something spooky going on, and they just wanted to make sure, and uh, they'd had the house blessed. In fact, I had blessed the house years ago. Uh, but they just were like worried and scared and somebody suggested this person and they went and he comes and all sorts of horrible things start happening in the house. As soon as this guy walks in and he says, oh, this is really bad. And, um, you know, is there somebody in your family that doesn't like you? Oh, they must have put a hex on you. And the, he just whips up, the, the, takes advantage of their kind of simple faith to think like, oh my gosh, there's this horrible spiritual thing happening to us. And what do you think was uh, the solution? That they pay him a lot of money so that he can do some sort of cure, some spiritual thing, throw some magic salt, and then make the thing go away. Right? And they did pay him money. And then the bad things kept happening. So they said, sorry, actually, you have to pay me more money. And I t- she talked talk to me on the phone, and she was like, I'm, I'm worried, Father. Like, I, I don't know what to say. My family's all scared. And I said, under no circumstances are you to give that man any money. Okay, like years ago, I would have f- felt a little bit like this insecurity complex. When people come to me, like, stuff with that, or dreams that they had. Father, what does that mean? I feel like I'm expected to be some sort of like, uh, what would you call it, like a shaman? <laughs> you know, that because I'm a priest, I'm supposed to know all the paranormal stuff. And it, it was like, I don't know what to say. I would get intimidated and scared myself. Like, maybe there's a demon. I don't know. But I was just like, in that moment, very clear. There is nowhere in the gospel that Jesus says, you need to have a lot of money to pay someone in order to be safe from the devil. God would never say that. And so any part of your heart, anything in you that is scared that I don't have enough or I'm not doing it right or maybe God needs this. Like what's true about deism, what makes sense about deism is why would God care about that? Why would he need our money? Why would he need you to do anything for him? He doesn't. And so what Christianity is saying is not that God really does care and we have to do it exactly right otherwise he won't love us or we won't get to go to heaven or, or whatever. On the contrary, God while we were yet sinners, died for us. He's come so that he might make his dwelling among us. And that, my friends, that's the miracle. That, that, like, we don't need thousands of dollars to pay anyone. We don't, we don't need to uh, perform any tricks or anything like that. We simply need to accept it, to receive it. And I told her, if you want to be safe from the devil, tell everyone in your family to go to confession and go to communion. Then you know your soul is in the state of grace, the same as you, the day you were baptized. You have the Holy Spirit in, in you, and there's nothing impeding you, no mortal sins. And then you have Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity, dwelling with you as in one flesh, one body, one heart, one soul. Jesus is not up there distant from us. He is more intimate than we are to our very selves. And this is a mystery that we have to grow into over many, many communions, many, many weeks, many, many years of our lives. And even um, as we are aging and, and think we have it all figured out, there's some new door that Jesus is knocking on. And the question is never, if you go to pray and nothing happens, or if you, something's going wrong in your, your family or in your life, and you, and you feel this aloneness, you feel this helplessness, you feel that maybe I am left an orphan here. It's never, what am I doing wrong? I am not worthy. I must be 
bad. That's just egotism. It's just pride and narcissism. It's, stop saying I. <laughs> Say, Jesus, what are you doing? Where am I uh, shutting you out so that you, you might knock and I can open the door to you, so that you can dwell in these places in my heart and so that um, absolutely nothing is hidden from you and I can um, dwell with you forever, starting today all the way into eternity.